Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the GRIP podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth, the founder of Sisu, where residential real estate transacts online, and uh, I'm your host of the show. And today I have a special guest with me. I've been excited to have Greer Allen join the show now for, geez, I think I've been trying to get you on here now for about a year, Greer. So uh, anyway, it's, it's an honor to have you on the show today. For those of you who don't know, and that most of you I'm sure do, Greer is the co-founder and the CEO of Boomtown. Greer has been recognized as an industry leader and a disruptor, and we're going to go back in time and learn more about that today. In my opinion, he's played a big role in the growth of real estate teams and the way teams have kind of taken over this industry, I think he has a lot to do with that and the way that they do business today. So anyway, Greer, what do you have to add to that? What am I missing here? <laughs> I think you covered it pretty well, Brian. But you know, first and foremost, I appreciate you having me on today. And uh, I'm glad we finally got this time scheduled and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but no, it's... it's uh, you know, going back to what you said about teams, you know, that that's definitely one of the you know, core things that we were looking at early on, you know, before we even started building a product is is just sort of identifying what trends existed in the industry. And this goes back to 2006 when we started the business in, in sort of a stealth mode, trying to identify what trends out there were in the industry and which ones did we think were going to be the dominant trends of the next decade and beyond. And, and Teams was definitely right there at the top of the list. So you forecasted correctly. So, um, <laughs> well, I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last year, Greer, and it's been a lot of fun as we've had an opportunity to do some work together and, and we're excited about doing a lot more of that with you. But that being said, I've never heard your story. Like, I've never heard how did Boomtown actually start? I know it was in 2006, which is right before the market crash. So the market, when you started this, the market was at its peak. Like you must've felt like you were just going into the hottest market in the world. And, you know, in 2008, I bought a home inspection company called Housemaster Home Inspections. Uh, Not a good time to buy a home inspection company. So (laughs) I've experienced some of your pain, but I want to hear just the story of how this all started. And how, how did you come up with the vision? Were you guys actually the first... CRM contact manager in the industry or, or how, how did you, how did you come up with this whole thing? Yeah. And so, um, well, I'll take you all the way back, Brian. And, and, you know, really my upbringing really shaped, shaped, uh, you know, how I view this industry as well. And so, so, you know, going back to, you know, even prior to college, you know, my dad was probably within the top 10, 
top producing real estate agents in all of the Charleston area, which is where we grew up. And, you know, before going to college, I mean, there was, there were certain things that my dad would need help with. And I was pretty handy with computers and, and subsequently went to Clemson in 2000 uh, and sorry, in 1998 and graduated in 2002 with a computer science degree. But as he was starting to, you know, hook up top producer to connect listings and, you know, with a modem, um, and download listings into their system, still desktop applications, not even web-based at the time. Um, you know, I was, I was helping them quite a bit. I think, you know, probably the biggest technology expense back then was probably fax machines within offices, but, you know, really just by, you know, listening and learning through osmosis with my dad and, and sort of what he taught us about real estate and the power or of you know home ownership, really I just I developed a passion for this industry very early on, and you know like I said subsequently went to uh, Clemson University uh, for computer science major there, and uh, it was really just learned about the internet in, in probably 1997 or so, and uh, and really was just fascinated by you know the opportunity that existed there. Always had an entrepreneurial mindset really knew that what I wanted to do when I grew up or, or got out of college was was going to be dictated by what sort of company that I wanted to, to build. And so after graduating in 2002, I started by doing some consulting work for the brokerage where my dad worked, Carolina One Real Estate here in Charleston, which is a pretty dominant player in the space. I think they've got about 30% market share. And, you know, what I learned through that experience, Brian, was that I guess the, the main thing that I learned was that consumers were migrating to the digital space to find their next home. And this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is, you know, early stages, you know, pre-Zillow, pre-Realtor.com, or I guess Realtor.com might have existed out there in some form or fashion. But the desire for consumers to find their real estate agent, find their next home online was pretty evident. And the investment being made within the industry was was really not um, keeping up with what the consumer's desires were. And this is sort of where it kind of made, you know, started to get to escape velocity in terms of transitioning from that sort of lock and key type industry where the agent sort of, you know, had all the inventory in a book and it was becoming available to the consumer online. And so I worked up in their marketing department and and built out technology tools to automate the marketing processes for agents. And really where this was focused mostly was around print media, getting advertisements into the photo advertisements, into the classified ads of newspapers. So this is what what you were doing right out of college. That's right out of college. This is these are the types of systems that I was creating and and sort of aggregating the data behind, you know, what agents were doing on behalf of their sellers, you know, and creating these listing marketing reports. And so I even worked with the newspaper to, you know, to sort of connect those two systems early on before API was even a term, connecting those two systems to make it super efficient. And, and that's where I started to really understand how technology could really make such a positive impact in terms of creating efficiencies within this industry. And so, so that, was, that was a fun experience. And I did that for a couple of years. And then following that, I started a digital advertising company with a buddy of mine from college that still exists today. This was 2004. 
Harbor, where we started that company. And through that experience, worked with a lot of real estate companies, uh, worked with e-com companies, built some e-commerce platforms from the ground up, built a lot of, of MLS integrations. It was much harder to do back there back then, Brian. Um, yeah. But you know, the technology just wasn't where it is today. You know, but we did that for two years. And, and one of my big learnings there was there's a lot that you could do from a digital marketing aspect and really you know, saw that as a huge opportunity to bring to an industry through sort of this agency type of model and working with a lot of variety of companies. It was interesting to learn different businesses, but really wanted to focus in on a specific industry. And that's when I knew that, you know, that I wanted to build a product company. I wanted to build something in a specific industry, focus on that for the next shoot. I'm going on, you know, 15 years or 16 years now uh, focused on the real estate industry. And so I learned a lot about the digital marketing space, but I really learned that, that I wanted to build a product company because I wanted to invest my time and energy over the next decade plus into building something that really made a, a massive impact on an industry and, and was able to be an impact that was felt across the U.S. and beyond. And so that leads us to 2006, where, where Boomtown was formed and, and uh, started out with you know just a focus on real estate. We knew that we wanted to build a product, you know, technology product. We knew that you know that digital marketing and, and advertising was going to be a, a big element of that because we knew that we wanted to sort of bring the industry forward and make them successful in terms of in terms of bringing their brand online. And and so that's where we started to focus. And you know, right out of the gates, we started working with these bigger brokers. And uh, because that's where I had the connections and what they were looking for was more of like a leads management type of system. But, you know, as you kind of go through that process, you, you ask the questions of, you know, well, what, would, what would you be willing to pay for this if we were to build it? And, you know, we were expecting, you know, $20 per user per uh, somewhere around there uh, for the functionality that we would be providing. And, and those brokers, we quickly learned were not even in the same ballpark, they, you know, the, the ones that we talked to said that we'd pay a dollar. What were the size of these brokerages? Large. So I would say 500, 500 plus agents. Okay. So maybe 500 to 2000 agents, somewhere in that range. And yeah, yeah. Getting them to pay $20 is, uh, I mean, I think the thing is most people don't realize how little money those brokerages make, right? That's uh, right. No, and that's and that was that was the big learning there too. I mean, that yeah. was you know that's when we figured out like, hey, the addressable market for real estate is is made up of commission checks, you know, and and that's what it is. And when you start to think about it, how much does an average agent make or versus a broker? I mean, you've got eighty percent of that or more on average, probably going to agents. And the, the more production volume they're doing, the more of that check goes to the agents because the, you know, they're, they're doing more on their own. They're independent contractors. They're, they're sort of, you know, the beauty of the industry is that, you know, they're all entrepreneurs. You know, they sort of set their own direction, which which wasn't always the case in the industry. You know, I mean, back in the earlier days, I mean, you'd see back in the I'd say maybe the you know sixties or seventies or eighties. You're talking commission splits that are fifty fifty with your broker. That's back before you could generate your own business online, and and back before there was even an MLS, right? So that's right. The the broker was required because the brokerage wasn't the brokerage back then pretty much their own MLS. Each individual brokerage. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I I think it was was basically just you could present whatever you you had at your brokerage, right? 
That's right. And so size mattered back then. And and so the more agents you had, more listings you had, the more, you know, you didn't have this concept of reciprocity in, a, in an MLS back in those days. And so it was a, it was a very different industry then. So anyway, so that, that sort of caused us to pivot in terms of our focus and, you know, sort of led us down a path of saying, okay, we've got to really understand this industry and where it is today and where it's going. And this is where the concept of teams started to become evident to us. And, you know, I remember using our last dollars to buy this Wanapol Trends report for that particular year and buying some previous ones and starting to kind of pick up on some of the the trends that were happening over a multi-year basis at that point. And, and teams and independent brokers seemed to be the segment of the market that was, you know, that was underserved with technology, but really focused on creating systems and processes much more likely to adopt technology faster. And so that's the direction that we started to head down and and try to figure out where their problems were. And the problem that existed at the time was that you know, number one, um, the consumer was continuing that transition to using online to find homes, but you know, but the industry was just too far behind. You know, these teams and and, and small brokers, medium-sized brokers, didn't have the technology necessarily to be able to number one, you know, handle the leads that were coming in and and distribute them properly to agents and match them up with the correct agents that could help those consumers. That was a big deal, and they didn't have really any visibility into their lead pipeline and, and, you know, how their spending was generating leads. And so that was the original problem that we set out to solve. And, um, and to your quick, earlier quick question, question, quick question there, Greer, how many teams were there back then? I mean, it seems like that was before the day of teams was, were you afraid that this was not a big enough addressable market to really build a business around? We were banking on it growing significantly and read Gary Keller's millionaire real estate agent. And, you know, it just made sense. It just made a ton of sense. You know, the ability to leverage other people and knowing, you know, real estate agents in and out, you know, at this point, my brother and my dad were both in in the business and, and seeing that they were taking on tasks that weren't necessarily in their strength category, you know, I mean, you saw that trend coming, Gary had already written the millionaire real estate agent and you, you saw it coming. And honestly, I mean, thanks to Gary teams became a huge thing, right? I mean, without him, it may have never happened. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that sentiment completely. But, you know, like I said, it just made sense. And so we banked on this, you know, to be a part of the industry that was going to continue to take more market share. And um, and my brother at the time was also starting his residential brokerage. So he had kind of you know, gone off on his own and, you know, with a, with a business partner and, and started the casino group, which is a, you know, luxury, luxury based brokerage here in Charleston. That's, that's thriving and doing, doing amazing. Uh, But he's still in the real estate business. Oh yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he he is. Yes. He closed on a $6.8 million buy and sell side yesterday. So uh, he had a good day yesterday. (laughs) So he was the first boomtown customer, I'm guessing. He was. Yep. He was our, he was our alpha customer. 
but this, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. Like we, we started these businesses in tandem really. I mean, right at about the same time in 2006. And, you know, obviously, like you said earlier, Brian, I mean, the market was just going bananas and, uh, and, you know, there was a lot of money to be spent at that point in time. But, you know, as, as 2007 started kind of getting, started coming into, into view, people started to, you know, to kind of start talking about the bubble, right. And when's this bubble going to burst. And at the time we had sort of done our research, we had decided on a direction that we wanted to go down. And by the end of 2006, we had decided, hey, we're not taking any more consulting jobs and we're just going to go heads down. Uh, we actually took out second mortgages on our homes, Cooper and I. So, you know, another another very important part of 2006 is I met my co-founder, which, you know, how it is, Brian. I mean, a lot of times, you know, going through the ups and downs and the and the turbulent times in the early days, it's, it's pretty important to have the right team around you. And so finding Cooper was critical uh, during that phase because we didn't, we didn't really foresee the roller coaster ride that we'd be going on in 2007 and 2008. And, uh, but we, we mortgaged our homes. We took out the second mortgages, on our homes to pay, you know, our first mortgages and paid ourselves pretty much peanuts. And, you know, our girlfriends who are now our wives were sort of our, uh, our sugar mamas at the time in terms of, you know, you know, having enough money to, to eat and, and, uh, <laughs> and do those types of things. So it was, uh, it was humble beginnings, I'd say, Brian, for the first couple of years, uh, where we were actually building the product ourselves. And so we had one other partner that came on, Jason, who uh, who's you know been with us for for now for 14 years. And so between the three of us, we conceptualized, we designed, and we built the original version of Boomtown over the course of 2017 and and uh, up until about, or I'm sorry, 2007 and 2008, which is when we launched our first customer, which was my brother. Okay, and, so, uh, so all three of you guys write code. Cooper didn't write that's code. That's what you were doing for two years is just bootstrapping, writing code. So I, the way I met Cooper is is um, I knew how to write the code. Jason knew how to write the code, but we didn't have a designer. From the very early days, when you're building a product company, you have to kind of figure out your philosophy around what sort of product you want to build. And a lot of people preach the minimum viable product. That really wasn't in our DNA. What we wanted to do is, is to deliver a minimum lovable product. We wanted to get it out to the market market fast, but we wanted to build, you know, the features and functionality that, you know, that we put out there, we wanted to make sure that they were head and shoulders above what was out there in the industry at the time, or, or, you know, and really we took, what, we what took was out there, you know, at the time, I mean, we did a lot top of market research. <laughs> I mean, it was top producer, top producer was probably the most widely used CRM in the space. You know, and and we didn't we didn't really identify any others through our research out there. I mean, there were some lead management companies that you know I can't even remember the names of them at this point in time. You know, lead router might still be exist in existence, but you know, these were just early stage companies that really weren't providing the vision that we saw for where we wanted to go. And I know um, Top Producer is owned by Realtor now, but. I mean, you know, I run into a lot of real estate companies and geez, I haven't heard their name in years. So I did hear it yesterday by someone who said they were actually leaving it. But, (laughs) but anyway, I haven't heard it in years until, until that. So do you, are they still a, are they still a true competitor out there? uh, Not as much. I mean, I still think that they have a lot of agents using their software. 
And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of agents are just like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, I've been using this product for, you know, 10 plus years. I remember my dad having a dial up version of top producer to where the listings would be you know, brought in from, from the local MLS. And so, you know, it's been around for quite some time through many different iterations, but, you know, I think it solves part of the problem that we solve, but, you know, I definitely wouldn't put it in our, in our direct competitive set. Okay. So you guys mortgage your house, you build for two years, you get ready to do a big launch in 2008 and the market crashes. So it sounds like that yes. was your timing. That was our timing. That was exactly our timing. And so I would say that, you know, we went through just a roller coaster of emotions and this is where having, you know, when you're, when you're an entrepreneur and, and you've got a team around you, you know, it's, that's why it's just so important psychologically to have someone there. You know, there were weeks where I'm, you know, where I'm asking myself, you know, what the hell are we doing as more and more headlines about, you know, the, the real estate market crashing, you know, you get deflated, but that's where you rely on the people around you to sort of bring you back into the right headspace and, and stay the course. And, and so we sort of serve that role for each other through the pre revenue days. And when we got this thing out in the market and started testing this with my brother, he was used to going, you know, listing homes. He'd, he'd already you know, had a pretty successful run, probably like four or five years into his real estate career. And, you know, really his business completely dried up, you know, just like everybody else's. I mean, you know, everybody was relying on past clients and referrals and, uh, and that dried up completely in 2008. And uh, what's that like? I mean, I want people to understand this because I think a a lot of people look at you and say, you know, oh, Greer built this early on. He had it easy. You know, he's always been at the top of this and people don't see the pain, really. They don't see the challenge. So what was that like? Like, truly, what was that like? What were the feelings going through you? If you think or reflect back on that of him building this company should I even be doing it? I've mortgaged my house, my girlfriend, or I don't know if she's your wife at this point, but she's supporting me. I mean, what what are the feelings going through your head? Luckily, we were at a point in our lives that, you know, we didn't have children and, and people that were depending on us you know, for much. And so that made it easier, but yeah, it was, it was like, you're investing at that point, you know, most of your waking hours throughout the whole entire week to dedicate, to bring this vision you have to life. And with the turbulence of the market, it's just a roller coaster. is the best way I can describe it is you have these accomplishments that these stages that you get to and, and you get closer and closer to be able to bring something to market. But at the same time, in the back of your mind, you've got this nagging, you know, what the hell are you doing? This is not, you know, your timing's off. You're, you know, you've got just that voice in the back of your head that's trying to tell you like, you know, go get a job. <laughs> and that, so, that little voice. And, and a lot of times that little voice comes from family and friends, right? The, the people right. that don't want to take that risk, the people that don't believe they can change the world. <laughs> and that's right. so you got to make sure you don't let that voice in. Right. And I know this, I've started a lot of different companies and have experienced the, the ups and downs for sure. So yeah, those, those the, early days were some of the most challenging just because it, 
It was just, it was unproven. Um, and there's that stage, there's that stage that's not a short period of time when you're building a technology company that, you know, that you have to build this thing out. And especially since we were sort of philosophically behind this, you know, this minimum lovable product, it wasn't just about lapping something together and putting it out there. It was about really thinking through the intricate details of every single feature that we released in making it, you know, making it what we believed was the best. And so, so yeah, I mean, it was a lot of turbulent times, but like I said, I mean, having the right people around you is imperative um, when you're going through that stage. Being two to three years in now, your brother gets the product, he's using it and pretty much goes out of business. (laughs) The market crashes. I mean, if you're trying to go get venture money at that time, and I don't know that you were, but they would all laugh at you, right? I mean, no venture company in 2008 is going to put money into this business. So, so what do you do? Is it still just the three of you? Still just the three of us. And, you know, and you, you hit the nail on the head there, Brian. I mean, we put together a pitch deck. Cooper and I actually did a um, Kaplan fast track tech venture program that was three hours, three days a week um, after working hours. And so we took that course and the output of that was was really stretched just to think about everything outside of the actual product itself. Uh, stretched, stretched just to think about, you know, marketing and sales and, and customer service and all the different aspects of, of creating the right product and getting it out there in the market. And, um, you know, which was extremely helpful. And so, you know, as we got into 2008, middle of 2008, you know, I remember, you know, you asked if we were, if I was married prior to having any revenue, my brother was not paying for the product um, <laughs> you know, cause he, he couldn't afford it. Uh, he couldn't afford to pay anything. And, but I remember him. And you guys uh, are just trying to prove the use case, right? You're just trying to see if it's actually a valid product. That's right. And yeah. and so I remember like we're in Montgomery, Alabama, where my wife is from, where where we got married. And uh, and it was the day before my wedding. You know, I'm trying to close our first customer, Exit Real Estate Gallery, which is in which is in Jacksonville, Florida. And my brother's in the room next to me and he comes in and he's like, Who are you talking to? He's I was like, I was like this guy in Jacksonville trying to close and he's like, give me the phone. And so he picks up the phone and, uh, and he'd had some early success with Boomtown and, and he helped me close that first, that first customer. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Just hearing it from another person in the industry, uh, you know, helped him to to kind of get over that and and go for it. But you know, these companies were just bleeding agents, you know. And the first real sign of success with Boomtown was that was that people were actually starting to come back into the office and people were stopping leaving the industry uh, because what we were able to provide to our customers at that time were buyers. We could find buyers and, and that was the gold back then. Yeah. You know, um, we could, we could find, so were, find were buyers. Guys, were you guys the first one to build out like the IDX websites or we came to find out later down the road that, you know, there was Realty Generator and, um, and Tiger Leads that okay. had launched. And I don't know exactly when in the time frame when they started building their solutions, but they were sort of in that same sort of stealth mode at the same time we were. And so there were other solutions that were, that were being built that we didn't know about until probably 2009 before we knew of, of any other competitors out there uh, mm-hmm. that were doing what we were doing um, in a similar 
business model. You know, once we started to get a few customers that, you know, we're starting to see these early signs of success, you know, things on the sales and marketing side became much easier. You know, it really, we learned how much the industry talks amongst themselves and masterminds and really these coaching organizations are, are where things really started to, started to, you know, help proliferate boomtown throughout the industry. And, you know, something called, um, oh man, what was it called? Star Power. And uh, I remember, you know, picking up a client in the Star Power organization, uh, Chip Collins down in, in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and he introduced it to a lot of the people within that Star Power organization and the phone started ringing off the hook. And that's when we knew we had something is, is when that started happening. And so we sort of moved from this phase of, of just, you know, focusing on building, you know, this, this lovable product and, and continuing to kind of build out the vision, uh, build out the, the roadmap for, for the vision that we had into, you know, having the tiger by the tail, essentially, Brian, and, and, and just getting to that point where, you know, we're like, okay, well, now, now we really do need to start building out an organization here, um, which mm-hmm. is another challenge in and of itself. Yes, definitely. So, as you start ramping this, you guys were obviously out of money. How did you fund the company? How do you hire and bring these people in your organization to support this growth? Because that's another that's another balancing act, right? I mean, especially when you're bootstrapping. Absolutely. So- it was, it was really, you know, it was the home equity line. I mean, you know, our, our uh, you know, going back to, you know, the belief in the power of home ownership, you know, I bought a home in 2004. And, um, and by 2006, the value of that home had doubled. And so I could, you know, I could take out almost $200,000 on a, on a home equity line of credit. And so it was a big risk, you know, to do that. And I don't recommend that to everybody, but it was a risk that we were willing to take back then. Um, and so we paid ourselves with that. We, we paid our mortgages with that and just kept expenses really light on our personal side. And for paying employees, you know, we were able to get revenue coming in the door, recurring revenue coming in the door pretty early on. I mean, by the end of 2008, I think we had maybe five or six customers and, um, and enough to pay you know, the employees we had. And, and if we didn't have enough to pay them, it came out of our home equity lines. We'd write checks to the company to be able to, to make that payroll. And luckily for us, that, that growth continued on and, and we started to you know, get profitable on our own into 2009. And really just, you know, continued to start building out that team. And, and, um, and so were, you know, were, were, you guys, were you guys profitable in 2009? As we were, you were ramping, you were able to hit profit really your first year in turning on the business? We were. Yeah. Okay. And, awesome. And I, I think a lot of that, and, and, you know, I've advised a lot of friends in terms of, you know, that have started technology companies. I think the big, one of the big differences there, Brian, is that I was able to write the code. That's typically your biggest expense um, coming out of the gate is building the product, right. and um, and because I didn't have to pay myself, that made things a lot easier. Because I've, I've advised a lot of other startups um, where the founders are not technical, and it's a different dynamic. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you you, sure. you almost you need money in that situation. Yep, and I know that because every technology company I've started. I've had to pay engineers from day one. That's right. That's right. So I have to write the first check and then, you know, you've got to keep it coming in, right? Because they're not going to work for free. That's right. As a founder, you're willing to work for free for a couple of years. And uh, the people that you're going to hire are not that level of risk taker, right? That's right. 
that's exactly yeah. right. And so, so, uh, so, so I heard that uh, you talked about coaching companies really drove this, and obviously Tom Ferry being one of the largest. Tom has I've heard Tom speak about investing in Boomtown. Did that happen around that time frame, or did that happen later when you guys did your venture round? That was during when we did our venture round in 2014. Um, okay. you know, Tom came on as an investor and, and, you know, he and I had been friends and, and got to know each other through the industry. And, and, you know, we started a mastermind group where the four of us would get together, you know, every quarter. So four times a year, you know, Austin Allison and from dot loop at the time and Connor from bomb bomb and Steve, uh, Steve Harney from keeping current matters. Now, Bill, his son is, is involved in that group. And so, you know, we, we sort of, you know, kind of built this where we had four, four, businesses or five businesses there that didn't compete with each other but we learned a lot from each other about the industry and and that was really that was really helpful and and tom's been a a great ambassador for boomtown and and we have a lot of a lot of client overlap between our customers and you know between his ecosystem and ours um, overlaps quite a bit. And, um, but, you know, there's, there's been a lot of coaches along the way that have helped us and, you know, Bob Corcoran, you know, like I said, Howard Britton with star power, there's been quite a few that, you know, that have been instrumental in terms of, you know, when a coach sees a product that is bringing significant return on investment to their customers, that's when, you know, that's when it gets their attention. And, uh, and a lot of them are careful, you know, about what they'll recommend and they, they don't want the fly by night. They want to know that they want to meet the, the founder of the company. They want to know that they have a vision. They want to know that they're in it and they want to know that this isn't going to be a, a fly by night type of company uh, that's, that's sold within the first two years. They want to find somebody that, that truly has a passion for the industry and, and the people they're helping. Yeah. So you did something that I think a lot maybe don't, which is so important and that's surrounding yourself with the right people, surrounding yourself with the right players. And uh that's how you elevate your game, right? If you're hanging around people that are down here, you're not going to be lifted. So all of you guys came up and rose together. And, and I love that, uh, that you were willing to do that. From the minute I started this company, I've with Sisu, I've always been one that's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get with this person, this person, but honestly being new to this industry, it took some time for me to break into that, you know? Oh yeah. So yeah, it is, it, it does take some time and you know, it's, it's uh, but it's worth it. Those connections are worth all the, all the time and energy that goes into developing them, those relationships. And, and you find the people that, you know, have a shared vision and shared values with you. And yeah, you know, that's, that's outside the company, but you know, more importantly inside the company, you know, right. and, and that's, that's one of the things that when we were in that hyper growth phase where we were, you know, it was gangbusters. I mean, we, we weren't prepared for the type of growth that we had right out of the gates in 20, 2009, 10, 11, 12. We didn't have the right team around us to, yeah. to, to scale, you know, but what we did have is we had people that were extremely passionate about the mission of making real estate agents successful. We had people that were a unique blend of diverse backgrounds that the culture within Boomtown, it was organic up until that point. And we had, you know, I'd say probably in that 2011, 12 timeframe, we were like 25, you know, 20 to 25 employees. And, 
And about that time is where we started to recognize that we had something special uh, internally within Boomtown from a culture perspective and, and that we wanted to solidify that. And the way that you do that is, is through uh, defining your core values. And so that was another big learning experience for us and something that we spent you know, I spent personally a significant amount of time, you know, we did an exercise called mountains and valleys where you sort of look at your life and, you know, where are the peaks and where are the valleys and what, what values existed at the peaks and what values didn't exist at the valleys. And, and so out of that came a bunch of different words that in values that, that people within the team uh, valued themselves personally. And, and then we you know, brought in a facilitator to help craft our core values out of that exercise. And I can tell you that when you're that early stage, it seems like, man, did I just waste a ton of time doing this and in, in defining what, you know, what these core values are. And, and I can say that it was probably one of the, the best returns on investment that we've done internally within the Boomtown company. Um, just seeing how this team has grown and, and how much ownership people take over the culture in, yeah. in terms of making the right hires and, um, and the way that they act. And, and that, that was a, a significant uh, investment for, you know, for us in terms of time that paid off significantly to make this an enduring business that would last and, and succeed and, and continue to grow like it has. So it defined your culture from that point forward. That's right. Here you are, you're profitable early on, but you know, you need money to grow. There's two choices, right? As an entrepreneur, I'm just going to stay profitable. And honestly, most software businesses are never profitable today. So congratulations on that one. Uh, um, But I'm just going to stay profitable as one option and grow slowly. Or I'm going to try to take market share and I, in order to do that, I'm going to have to raise capital. So how did you guys, like, how did you guys deal with that battle? Cause that, that's a hard, it's a hard thing to, to decide is, do I want to give away my company? And I, you know, I've, I've had great experiences with VCs and I've had not so great experiences with VCs. So what I've learned is you have to get the right people in that share your vision. But that being said, how did you guys go down that road and, and make that decision? Yeah. So there was a period of time starting in 2011 and, that we were on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies list three years in a row, and you know as high up as the you know the eighth fastest growing software company on that list, um, which gets the attention of of the of the investor universe. And so you know right around 2013, we hired we hired a you know our our COO that's still with us today, you know where he's sort of a more of the visionary, he's more of the integrator if you're familiar with that you yes. know, terminology. And, uh, and, you know, he's, he's a great sounding board and always has been for me since, you know, since we hired him and, you know, we started to sort of put together more of a structured long-term plan for the business and, and decided that we would, we could accelerate that vision with, with more capital, mm-hmm. um, into the company. And so we began having some conversations with these outside investors and, you know, you know, at the, at that point in time, we were significantly scaled business, hundred plus employees, well into, you know, double digits of millions of dollars of revenue. And so, you know, we were in a fortunate position of, of being bootstrapped up to that point, you know, to where we didn't have to give up a lot of the equity in the business to be able to get a significant slug of cash on the balance sheet. 
you know? And so, and so, you know, we, we brought in, luckily, you know, vetted a lot of these investors. And like you said, I mean, there's, there's ones out there that you don't want to do business with. And it's, it's just as important as finding, you know, the right people to join your team, you know, because that's what you're essentially doing. And, mm-hmm. and there's, there's no way of divorcing yourselves from, from them. <laughs> you're you're right. not, you're, right. there's no way out. And so we really took the approach of, you know, who's going to be on our board? Who are we going to be, who are we going to be talking to every single day or, you know, at least once a quarter about this business and and who do we want in that room with us? And, and that's the approach we took and trying not to get too attached to the brand on the business card, so to speak, I guess the, the Silicon Valley elite. And so, um, although we did meet some amazing people through that process, but, uh, but anyways, we, we went with our, we went with the people, we, we went with the approach of finding the right people to join our board. And, you know, by doing that and taking that approach, we got some, some great guys that, uh, that have, you know, helped influence this business and a positive way and, and helped us to get to where we are today. So now, is that the only round of financing you guys have done? It is. Okay. So it, it was one round. Was it, I re- think I read it was roughly 20 million. Is that right? About 20. Yep. 20 million. Okay. All right. So, so that gives you the capital you need to accelerate and grow beyond that. How many employees do you guys have today, Greer? We have, I mean, including our concierge uh, group who are, you know, part of the success assurance and, you know, they're, they're calling, you know, you know, all our customers leads and, and, you know, delivering agent ready opportunities to our customers. I mean, you know, that, that group has grown fast over the last year and a half. I think we're up to about 450, 450 people. I'd say, you know, that concierge group probably makes up about 150 of that group and, uh, and about 300 full-time employees. Okay. So we've, we've talked about your challenges from growing the business. And I think it's, I, I love hearing those because everybody has them. It's never easy, although people think it may be, but it's, it's not. So let's shift gears though and go to today. Let's talk a minute. And I know we don't have a, a tremendous amount of time. We have about 10 minutes left, but I'd love to hear from you. Like, what are the challenges today? How, how is that different than then? Because I know you still have challenges. Oh, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, really, you know, if I back up just a little bit um, in terms of the time frame, you know, post investment, one of the biggest things that we wanted to do with that investment was, was surround ourselves with the right talent within Boomtown that could scale this business and, and, you know, that had done it before, you know, just proven talent that, you know, both aligned with our culture, our values and our mission. And, and that I'd say is probably one of the most challenging things. I mean, you hear, you know, Peter Drucker, you know, who's business consultant, if you've read any business books, you've, you've, re- you've come across Drucker and, and, right. and, you know, he says that, you know, you know, a third of the time you're going to hire the right person, you know, the A player for the job. And, and a third of the time you're going to hire, you're going to hire, you know, kind of a BC player. And, and a third of the time you're going to completely miss the mark. And, yep. and we missed the mark a couple of times on some very key hires. It it wasn't until probably 2017, 18, that I have full confidence in the executive leadership team that we built at Boomtown. So that was one of the, the biggest challenges that we faced. And I didn't want to just to, for, for anybody to miss that piece is just how important having those, the, the right players, you know, the right players in the right seats is. Yes, um, but, thank you. Know, you. Yeah, that's, that, that's that, just. That is the, without it, you can't grow your business, can't scale the, your business. 
No. And, and that's, you know, so we, we missed the mark on a couple, identified it early and it made the changes necessary, but you know, it takes, you know, being in Charleston and wanting people to be, you know, here in Charleston, we, we had to launch national searches that cost a lot of money to run uh, to find those folks. And so it's, it's painful, but it's necessary. Um, but, you know, as for today, you know, I mean, you know, one of the challenges that we have today is, you know, we have this business that can execute so well right now. And it's because of the people that we've, that we've brought into the organization uh, right now. I just think there's, there is a lot of opportunity out there and, and it's focusing in on the right ones um, to go after, you know, where do we want to partner? Where do we want to build? Uh, where do we want to buy? You know, those are the big decisions that are, that we're constantly thinking about and, and all in the name of how do we make real estate agents successful? And that's, that is our mission. That has been our mission since day one. And that is, that is what we rally everybody here at Boom town behind and yeah. uh and so it's it's exciting but it's challenging you know because there's a lot of puzzle pieces out there i mean there's you know there's technology that exists in this space and a lot of that technology has been you know for the last 10 years has been around the the top of the funnel and the middle of the funnel and what i mean by that is is how do we connect with consumers online you know in the home search and the dreaming phase and 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 how do we make sure that agents are able to connect with those consumers through a crm a system that can help them to connect with their past customers as well as their their prospects that they have in their pipeline and uh and you know and you know but there's so much more to this this space and so much more that technology can do and cc is a great example of that brian in terms of what you guys are doing and how you sort of have evolved is you know there's so much innovation i believe that that can still happen within the crm space and still happen the top of the funnel but you know i think a lot of the next 10 years is going to revolve around like how do we make this transaction easier for consumers Mm -hmm. and and you know so much has been innovated on you know in terms of how the the industry is is evolving you know from the top of the funnel but you know you go through a real estate transaction which i did just recently and i'm like man like that you know, it's still a mess for the consumer, you know, and, uh, and it's still a mess for, you know, for everybody involved in that transaction. And I think that's an exciting space. And, and yeah, you know, I know you see that too. <laughs> I know you see that Absolutely. too. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> thankfully I have a wife that runs a team of 30 agents doing 400, 500 transactions this year. And so I get to see it. Right. And I get to see where, where's the breakdown? What's the, what are the challenges? what are the challenges of doing 500 transactions a year, right? What, what are those? Right. Because uh, that's, that's what we solve for. And yeah, every year we're, we're kind of taking the next step in that evolution of really making the experience, not only for the real estate teams better, but for the clients, for the vendors they're working with, you know, everybody right. else. So. Absolutely. And I, I just think, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of opportunity out there and um, it's still just a fun, just a, a really fun time to be in this industry and, and watch it evolve. So Greer, I know you guys are really cautious about that, you know, and you, and you said that, you know, we, you have tons of companies approaching you wanting to work with you. And I was one of those. And it took time for us to even, you know, get your attention. You know, we had to have 150 common customers before <laughs> I could get you to blink. So, so, so anyway, I have a lot of respect for that though, because you're, you're focused on, you know, you don't want the shiny objects. You're focused on the goal. And, and I have a lot of respect for that. So 
That being said, we have a few minutes left. I'd love to hear like your vision of what's important for the future and what you guys are focused on at Boomtown to really set yourself apart from the competition. Because when you came into this industry, you didn't have a lot of competition and now you do. So you need to be sharper than ever to really keep that, that edge that you guys have had thus far. So I'd love to hear your, your vision of that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the mission doesn't change, Brian, like I said earlier, it's, it's all about, you know, making real estate agents successful. We're fortunate to work with 40% of the top 250 teams in the nation and, uh, and having them as a sounding board is, is a, is a distinct advantage that we have in, in the space. Um, you know, really understanding what the needs and the challenges of those that are, are, are performing at such a high level and, uh, and understanding where their pain points are and, and how we can address them with technology and, or, tech enabled services. And, uh, you know, one of the things I'm really excited about right now is really, you know, trying to think about how we can, how we can service teams that are in growth mode, you know, to reach those next levels without having to go through the common pitfalls that, that we've talked about today in terms of hiring personnel. And, and, uh, you know, this is a big challenge for agent teams that are growing quickly. You know, they, they're typically in production and, and they're trying to hire the right ISA manager. Well, we now have what we call success assurance where we can, we can call all of your leads and tee up agent ready opportunities for you. And, and, uh, um, and, you know, we're not doing that through AI, we're doing that through humans. And the reason, you know, the way that we got to that conclusion, Brian, was humans do it better. And we have the data to support that. They do it twice as good in terms of in terms of producing agent ready leads out of the advertising spend that our clients are entrusting us with. And so, you know, I, you know, we've started off with lead qualification and engagement, and, and you know, looking further down the road, you know, we have all these data points on how the consumers are interacting digitally with, you know, with whether it's their email campaigns or your or your website, looking at properties, and we can extract these these events um, and, and interact with those consumers through our success assurance concierges and bubble up opportunities that are in sort of what our clients like to call the messy middle, which is everything outside of the initial lead pipeline is the 25,000 leads that you have that are just late just opportunity that's sitting in your database that you don't know where to focus on it. So it's a mix of using artificial intelligence and machine learning to bubble up the right opportunities and having it learn over time at scale. Uh, Because we have so many leads that are coming through, uh, we can learn so much faster. And so it's bringing those types of solutions to agents that excites us um, about where we're going. It's, It's thinking about how we can partner with companies like CSU. It's thinking about how we can, how we can bring all the data points together to give you know to give these teams much you know better visibility into into what they're doing uh and ultimately giving those consumers a better experience through the transaction like i mentioned earlier i think that's just a an absolutely critical piece of what the future looks like mm-hmm. uh, for real estate and it's and it's you know like i said it's just a, a really exciting time to still be and you know, 14 years later still a really exciting time to be part of this industry and i've been really happy to get to know you i mean you know i think you know we share a lot of the the same vision for where things are going and congratulations yourself on on building an awesome business that uh, that truly helps agents be more successful and grow their business yeah Greer thank you so much it's an honor to have you on the show today I've loved hearing your story and getting to know you better and really looking forward to the the coming years and and being able to like the opportunity to work closer even closer with you guys so 
Thank you so much for joining today. Uh, I think this is something that every entrepreneur should listen to and uh, we'll do what we can to get it out there in their hands. And I love, I love having interviews with people like you that, uh, great, this interview is about real estate, but it's also just about growing a business and doing the right things in life. And so thank you so much for your time. Uh, I've loved having you on the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Really yeah. enjoyed it, man. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your set of fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, We'll catch you next time. Take care.